It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 141 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin, but also joining us today, um, somebody that I know a lot of you are going to be very happy to hear from again, because it's been a while since he's been on the show. Um, and that is our good friend, Brian Glein from DCR, is joining us today, and also for many, many comics now, too. So, oh, yes, 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 yes. Hey, hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian's coming on to uh, to talk about some cool stuff he's got coming up, which uh, yeah, we're excited you're, you're, to have him on again. You're, you're taking a U.S. road trip where you're oh, not yes, going I, out, outside of a smaller region. So <laughs> My, my world-slash-vaguely-Midwestern tour 2019. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun uh, to catch up with you to see what you've been up to since, uh, you know, in the world of comics. Because it's been a while since we've had you on last. Yeah, yeah, it's probably been about a year, maybe two years at this point, I think. Flash musical episode, I think? Oh, oh wow. God. Yeah, that was yeah, a while ago. Yeah, that that's I think we're that's kicking back like what two two years then so yeah. it has been a while so yeah because I think that was season two of the Flash maybe two or three something two or like three, that yeah. I can't ever can't remember at this point it's too it's been uh, there's been too many bad episodes of things and too many <laughs> great episodes of things since then so oh yeah too many things blend together and I was just gonna say uh, there's too many bad episodes of Arrow that are like kind of uh, blending our minds together right now. Indeed. So, uh, before we get to Brian, though, let's do... There's two shows that we're going to talk about this week, uh, that being a new episode of Supergirl and, of course, the return of uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which we are going to get to the breakdowns, as we usually do. So, uh, let's do our one-of-three-point ranking of the two episodes, and then uh, we're going to talk to Brian a little bit before we go into the breakdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, with that being said, first off, we have Supergirl Season 4, Episode 17, uh, titled All About Eve. Rob, what do you give this episode? Sidekick, hero, or legend? This one, originally, and you and I talked a little bit earlier today about this, and uh, we originally were thinking, hey, this is going to probably fall into that hero category, but the last 10 minutes, it felt like Lex's plan all kind of went off with a bang. And the setup to the last couple episodes really kicked off in this episode, and it really, I think, really it completely worked. Uh, this is getting a legend for me yet again. So uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned about you know watching the episode, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, yeah, high hero. This is doing really good. Uh, it hasn't been as strong as the past couple weeks because I think it's been what three ep- three weeks in a row we've given Supergirl a legend, mainly because of the whole Lex aspect. 
Yes. And yeah, you're right. Like the second half of this episode, uh, you know, maybe like the last 15 minutes was just uh, phenomenal. It, it it shows the impact this show that Lex has now on the entire plot of this season, even without even being in the episode. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Carl, Lim- uh, Carl Lumbia again. So it's it's uh, always great to see him playing opposite of David Harewood and basically getting two Martian Manhunters. Yeah, so, so wonderful seeing, seeing him coming back. Any, so, any, two, any two Martian Manhunters? Does that, so, are, we, are we talking Miss Martian or are we talking just two different people playing Martian Manhunter? So Carl Lumbia uh, is, came in as playing Marin, uh, John's father. Uh, about a year ago, and Carl Lumby is actually the actor that was the voice actor that played uh, his character in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Oh, so it's awesome. really kind of awesome that they have That's him playing cool. opposite of David Harewood as the character. So, um, so yeah, it's been really cool. So every once in a while, you we get a, a get a moment of them together. Uh, like last year, he was a big part of the show on Supergirl. This year, this was just a kind of a quick little bit because he sacrificed himself to save National City last year. So. Okay. Last br- brief update. I have not actually watched any of the shows in the past two years or so, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm here to just kind of clarify things for everybody. I suppose to be a new listener. Well, I mean, it's a good way to do and, it, actually. And, and, and I, I did see this somewhere. Lex Luthor is currently play, being played by a noted one-man John Cryer. Yes, absolutely. And he's doing an amazing job. Absolutely amazing <laughs> I job. Just, I just picked up on the one-man reference. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. He's he, he's only been in two episodes so far, and he has been uh, absolutely phenomenal uh, in that role. Like he really blew us away when it came to his portrayal of it. But you know, like there were people that were saying like, "Oh, I, I'm not crazy about John Cryer," but you know, something Rob and I always say in the pa- you know over the course of this podcast is give it a chance. We did, and not disappointed one bit. No, <laughs> and I'm sure he's no Jesse Eisenberg, but I <laughs> know. Uh, well, I mean, like, you know, how can, can you how, how can you get past Grandma's Lemonade? You know, I mean, that's I that's once you hit to that point, Lex can only go so far. I so. mean, lest we forget, it was Jesse Eisenberg that made us incredibly aware of the Martha situation. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It's he's important. no Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I gave this one a legend as well uh, in the in the final scheme of everything. Uh, and of course, we have the returning Legends of Tomorrow, Season 4, Episode 9. Rob, what do you give it? Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? I was on the fence. I'm going to go Legend on this one this week. Uh, slow start on the episode, but uh, watching John Constantine and the Legends deal with Lucha Libre characters in the 1960s, was absolutely ridiculous and absolutely wonderful. Um, and it, them basically essentially starting a bar fight in Mexico was just perfect. <laughs> and it was so befitting of a return for their characters. Yeah, I'm right there with you, too. And it's, uh, again, on this one, uh, it was a slow start. I was debating. It was riding the line between High Hero or Legend. I'm going into Legend territory as well for a number of different reasons that we'll get to with the breakdown. But uh, I read something about Tom Wilson's character uh, that I put into perspective as I was watching the episode this week. And it really helped me to enjoy the episode a little bit more. And you're right. Just the humor with Mick, uh, you know, and, and John Constantine back in the 60s with Lucha Libre was just... It was so much fun, and I'm I'm so happy the show is finally back. So. Absolutely, uh, and honestly, it was great because as we were saying that, to saying you know like Luchador's the 1960s, like watching Brian on Skype and his reaction was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" <laughs> so. 
first off, it's just, just the fact that we're already in season four of Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Confusing yeah. enough for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, though? It, the show has been great. I mean, the last two seasons have been really well. I, I consistently see it as this is the best one to watch. And I, th- I think it even shows up on, like, kids' Netflix. And I keep telling my sons, like, hey, you can totally watch this if you want to. But, you know, Voltron takes precedence. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, Voltron's wrapping up, so it's okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, no, it's Legends it continues to, like I said, once you get past the Vandal Savage season on season one, then all of a sudden it's just like, wow, this is brilliant. See, uh, that's the only one I've watched. Yeah. <laughs> and we even got a Vandal Savage reference this week, too. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Which was... It, uh... was, it was the new Legends going through things that they've done in the past, and they were like, Vandal Savage, that's a stupid name, and they just kind of <laughs> chucked the book behind them. And yeah. So... <laughs> Which was a lot uh, of fun. Uh, so, yeah, before we get into the breakdowns, of the, before we go back and start breaking down the episodes, uh, let's talk to Brian for a little bit and, right. and, and see what Brian's been up to. Hello. How's it, how's it going? It's going all right. So you are working on a ton of comic stuff right now, aren't you? I am. I am. I've got way too many irons in the fire right now. Um, they're all very minor little things in my little world, but I have fun with them. Uh, I'm still contributing to Vagabond Comics, which is run by two of my friends, uh, Sequoia Bostic and Amalia de Girolamo. Uh, they're, we're out of Cleveland, but it's slowly expanding uh, as they go around and uh, show off at more conventions. And I will be at a few conventions this year. Uh, I'll be starting off at the Small Press and Alternative Comics Expo, also known as Space, done Columbus, Ohio, April 27th and 28th. I will be at Carol and John's Comics Free Comic Book Day event uh, in Cleveland, May 3rd. They do a midnight release from uh, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And during the day, I believe it starts at 10 a.m., but maybe check their website in advance. <laughs> and that goes all day until about 6. And there's a bunch of local artists. We sit there and we give out free drawings all day. They release the free comics at midnight uh, the night before. Uh, there's going to be an X-Men art show this year. I'm sorry, you know, it's it's, it's <laughs> on Marvel theme this year, but you know. Uh, yeah, and I and um, in later in May, I will be at the Chicago Zine Fest in Chicago, Illinois, uh, May 17th and 18th, selling my wares. Very nice. So I, I know, I think the last time we spoke, you only had the one comic out, which was, and actually I have copies of it, is... Uh, um, the dinosaur who ate com- uh, comets. Is... Oh yes, oh, yes, I, yes. One, one of my children's books. Yes. Yes. So, what do you have out uh, all right now at this point in time? Uh, I've got dinosaur who ate comets. I've got um, a few facts about potato bugs, which I wrote with my son about mm-hmm. very, very, very totally true, one hundred percent true facts about uh, potato bugs. Uh, I've got a uh, unofficial sequel to National, the National Treasure movies. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Because I, boy, howdy, do I love me some Bruckheimer. Uh, that's why I like Aquaman so much. Uh, uh, and then I've got um, my silly little fantasy story, uh, Ballad of Onion Frog. But a little frog with an onion tied to his back that sort of uh, wallies his way through this Muppet Final Fantasy world. I've only got uh, two stories with that, but you should be seeing one of those, uh, a new one, when I start going out. Uh, as well as... Um, Oh, yes, I also just started a, 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 an ultra-serious, serialized comic strip in the style of uh, Mary Worth or uh, Rex Morgan, M.D., 
Uh, it's called Llamas at Law. Law is spelled with two L's. It's about two llamas who practice law. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fantastic. My 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 son name had my son got a stuffed llama. He 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 added Esquire onto the end of its name. I'm like you do know that means he's a lawyer, right? And he's like, yes, he's a lawyer. He handles all my law stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. He's ten, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> and you, did that you say that? Fantastic. Did you say that's a serious comic? Yes, it's totally serious. <laughs> that's gonna very serious. That's what's gonna make it even better. Oh, that's wonderful. That sounds great. So I know it's been definitely um you know, like I said, a hot minute since we had you on the show. So we were you and I, you like when we talk, it's just more or less like one of us just kind of randomly sends each other a message and it's like, hey man, what's going on? And yeah. you know, these these are things that are going on in our lives and whatnot. And we don't really get an opportunity to geek out at all. So what what's been a big thing for you? Like it doesn't have to be DC related. Like I said, we we randomly just go off on tangents on the show nowadays because okay. it, it's just the way we be, you know. Uh, unless it's kind of like we're exhausted and we're on a time crunch, and then it's like, okay, show, 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 bye guys, I you know, talk to you next week. So um anything huge that you've just have just kind of glommed onto hardcore in the last couple of years or uh, well, literally last night i saw shazam that was fantastic okay i was gonna uh, ask I, you I, if you had the chance to see it yet i well, i mean I, I mean i was a big detractor of the dc of the dc movies uh, as we've already touched on today um but uh yeah i loved aquaman it was just so beautifully stupid it was like mm-hmm. every single it was like every single movie at once and yet somehow like jason momoa of all people you know, the, the silent guy from uh, Game of Thrones managed to be the most charming dude in the world. And <laughs> Seriously. It was amazing. Yeah, um, it, it's... it's Aquaman, it, it, again, to this day, it's I, I adore that movie because it's a big, stupid movie. And you're like, yeah. it's got so much heart and it knows it's dumb and stupid. But mm-hmm. because of that, it, it makes it that much better. Again, I, I'm a huge fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean and National Treasure series. I'm like, oh yeah, this kind of sits alongside that, except it's just way more everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shazam was great. It was. Um, I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't seen it because it's still relatively new. But man, um, maybe not for super young kids, which is a vague shame because you know of what Shazam slash Captain Marvel uh, is slash was. But um, yeah, if you've got a slightly older kid that can handle some more uh, extremely intense moments, it, uh, that is like perfect. They they nailed the whole child superhero fantasy thing like to a T. Yeah, I was. Uh, you- yeah, when we were hanging out, when Rob and I were hanging out yesterday, I actually said the same thing because I had the chance to see it um, Friday night, and I, I the the director of the film comes from horror. And you, there are definitely moments of that movie that you can see. I, I can see that. I, I was wondering who actually did it. I didn't bother to look it up, which is rare for me. Um, yeah, uh, David Sandberg, who did um, uh, like Annabelle, An- yeah, Annabelle, yeah, like the Annabelle the series. Yeah. And so I mean, right. it's it's stuff that I never would have seen. All right. <laughs> I've I've never seen it either. But you're right. I mean, it's you know some of the villains, without giving away too many spoilers, are. Uh, the Seven Deadly Sins. And The Seven Deadly Sins, if you have a kid probably like seven, eight years old, maybe not a good idea to take them to see this yet in theaters. Because yeah. it's going to give them nightmares. But There's some intense stuff in there, yeah. yeah. But I, I was with you too, Brian. I absolutely loved Shazam, and I actually i am looking forward to seeing it again. And and I, I'm, I'm just going to say, there's some, there's some deep-cut DC Universe stuff <laughs> in there that I never thought I would see on screen, and boy howdy, did I just lose it. <laughs> are, we, are we talking about a particular mid-credit scene? Uh, we're t- I mean, we're talking about 
I mean, a number within, within the first five minutes, you see something you will never think that you have seen on on, on screen if you're paying attention. Ooh, so. I'm gonna have to pay attention now when I go see it. Well, I think that I think it, that actually relates to the mid credit scene. Yeah, it does. It okay, does, yeah. all right, then then we're talking. Sure, yeah. I wasn't sure. If you, I wasn't sure if you didn't notice it at, at first. So I yeah. did. I noticed it in the beginning. Is it is it something in a special little bowl? Yes. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I haven't had the opportunity to see it yet. I'm going to try to catch it with my wife sometime this week, if humanly possible. Um, like I said, we, we've, we're we're gearing up for vacation time. Oh, yeah. I, I probably should mention that real fast, too. Uh, Shad will be taking over the podcast uh, in a couple weeks' time. Damn, damn it, Shad. <laughs> so Ben and Shad will be running running the uh, the asylum. So while Rob, we'll see. While Rob is away in Iceland. I am. <clears throat> I'm going to be a Viking. I'm going to... I'm gonna in, uh, redo scenes from Skyrim, and I'm just gonna walk up to the top of the mountain and throw a single cheese, uh, like cheese like wheel off of it, because I won't have a couple thousand to carry up with me. So, <laughs> and it's not gonna be quite as as intense as some of the videos you see online, but it'll be fun. Maybe so. train a dra- maybe train a dragon. I it, could try to train a dragon. Inexplicably have a Scottish accent, you know. I, <laughs> Absolutely. I was gonna say, learn a couple shouts before you go over there. Yeah, we were we were already talking about that. That one of the things we were gonna do is. Is uh, practice uh, Skyrim shouts on the top of a glacier somewhere. Uh, I think that is uh, that is that is idea number one. Yeah, so that's a good way overthrow to go. A, over overthrow a Jarl. Yeah. <laughs> God, now I want to play Skype or Skype Skyrim. Sky- well, Skyrim, yes. Yeah, well, Skype we're, we're playing. It's, it's, it's the only it's the only application they have not released Skyrim for yet. <laughs> for Pretty Skype. much, yeah. Please don't. Let's not give them any ideas at this this point in time. I think Bethesda is going to be like, sure, why not? We can we can find a way to make this work. Skyrim for Skype. <clears throat> so Brian, so, outside of the DC universe, I was just going to say, outside of the DC universe, what's some other stuff that you're into right now? Um, I love me the Marvel Cinematic Universe, no matter what. Um, Captain Marvel was great. Okay, I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, if if you did not enjoy it for certain reasons, uh, you are totally missing the point, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Um, in comics, I have kind of gone back on the superhero stuff to a certain extent. Um, I kind of overloaded when I was reading every single DC comic ever um, on my podcast. Yeah, so. I know. I understand that because I think one of the last things you and I said before you guys wrapped up, was like, there's going to be a point in time where you're not going to want to do this anymore and you're going to hate every one of these things. Mm-hmm, there was a yeah. short period of time where I'm like, I hate every one of these things. Please don't make me watch superhero <laughs> things ever again. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but I, I loved um, the Mr. Miracle series. Yes. Which I will even admit, I've still got the last two issues sitting on my nightstand because... I put off, I didn't want it to end, and I put it off, and now it's been so long since I've read them, I'm like, oh crap, I'm going to have to read the entire series again, so I, everything pays off properly. So that's been an issue. Um, the new Martian Manhunter is great, but I'm also just a huge Riley Rossmo fan, So and, and Steve Orlando, so I will jump in on that hard no matter what. Um, and I guess last of the superhero stuff, both Avengers and uh, JLA are really firing on all cylinders just as sort of just big, dumb superhero stuff with really cool, big ideas. Um, if memory serves correctly, now the Justice League stuff that's happening right now, are, is it, aren't they in like a parallel universe where slightly boosted I into the actually, future? I, I'm actually just catching up on Justice League. I literally just was introduced to Jaro, uh, the, ah. star, the, the Starro in a jar that thinks Batman is his dad. 
and is yes. the new character find of 2019? If he, unless he was, you know, introduced in 2018, I don't know. I was actually but, but sharing another, eight. another friend through the podcast told me I need to be reading it, and I, uh, I I started doing that, and I am very happy. Uh, yes, Jaro. Um, I, I was sharing out an image to a couple friends, and it was the best sequence I have probably ever seen. Where it was Deathstroke running away from Batman off the top of the building, and it was just Batman making the shout. It was like, Robin, quick, get him. And it was just Jaro dressed as Robin, oh attaching, his, uh, attaching himself to Deathstroke's face. And it was just looking at Batman. He's like, did I do good, Dad? And it was just kind of like, yes. Yes, son, you are the best Robin I have ever had. He's like, really? He's like, yes best robin ever and i'm like this is brilliant <laughs> so, oh man uh man, it's something it's something about seeing one of the star uh Starro's race dressed in a robin costume was just all kinds of brilliant i can, I can only imagine <laughs> and avengers I, is fun and avengers is fun they're just doing something they're just doing a dumb thing where they're making an avengers team for like every single possible realm of the marvel universe and i find it and i find it fun very awesome i've never even heard of this jaro story and i now want to read it he's yeah. this a relatively very new character maybe only what in the last year give or take yeah yeah i think yeah, but yeah, yeah um, he's ridiculous yeah, like they are literally just doing they're just doing super friends versus the legion of doom but in a more serious way but not in like a grr 90s kind of way it's just like oh superheroes could be fun and we're gonna take this slightly more seriously than you know a hanna-barbera cartoon but we're gonna go all out with like crazy ass Grant Morrison style ideas and stuff. Basically, yeah. both of the, both of the guys writing these books right now are huge Grant Morrison fanboys, from what I can tell, and I am also one, so I appreciate it to no end. Yeah, I, it's that sounds fun. I'm gonna have to um, check it out. Yeah, it, it it's all kinds of just crazy fun and stupid. But I, I out of curiosity, Brian, are you reading like Doomsday Clock? Um, anything like that right now? Uh, following along with that or I, I, I am. I the first issue of Doomsday Clock uh, came out like what? Like the day before the inauguration or something yeah. like that? It essentially or, 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 like, like, like the week before and it was just so bleak I had to take a I had to take like a whole year off from it. But luckily it's coming out so slowly I was able to catch up. Um easily the best yeah, I was gonna say now it's on issue two. <laughs> so yeah, uh, no, I mean uh, easily. Um, in uh, as I said online, it's easily within the top twenty-five books that I've ever featured. Vostok, uh, <laughs> noted Aquaman side character Vostok. Uh, but yeah, that's again sort of like Avengers. That's another thing they're doing. They're making like a like a Justice League for every part of the world of the DC universe, and that's also that's that's dumb, stupid comic book fun. And I appreciate that. <laughs> and it's easily one of the best things I've ever read Jeff Johns do. You would think um, you would think Watchmen sequel would be like box office poison at this point. But no, it's really good. The characters of uh, oh, uh, Marionette and the mime are fantastic. Yeah, they feel like they've been in that universe forever. Exactly. Yeah, he, he the the. I mean, it's been far enough. I don't think this is really a spoiler at this point, but the, and there's a, there's a scene where the mime has, um, you think he's just miming everything, and then he mimes a gun at someone, then he actually shoots them, and then you see just slightly, like they turn the the perspective just like three percent over, and you see a glint of light coming off of his invisible gun, and I'm just like, Gary Frank is one of the few people who can do that, and it's just perfect. Yeah, like that right. that art. You're like, oh. 
Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. it's oh, yeah. It, it's it, it it sparks your brain in a weird way, and it's really just intensely fun. Yeah. And you'd think just a Joker and Harley analog would not, we would think it would not need another one of those, but man, they're great. They are just enough of their own characters. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're actually technically analogs of uh, Punch and Julie who are old Charleston characters, but you know. Yeah, no, I believe they said that's exactly where they, they kind of pulled yeah. it from initially. It was that, yeah. but they said, you know, a lot of people kind of look at those two pieces. Um, you know, I have a, another good qu- uh, question for you right now. Um, it, this past week, there was a, Big trailer that dropped, uh, but by chance, did you get an opportunity to watch the Joker trailer? Yes, I did, actually. I mean, I, it, it's very conflicting because I, it's it's a great trailer. Like, as far as just trailers go, it is fantastic. It's right up there with some of the other, some of my other favorite trailers I've seen uh, recently in the past few years. Excellent use of music. Um you know, and at the very least, they actually use the real music and not a group of small, scary children singing it. <laughs> which I always appreciate. Um, yeah, we will see. I mean, I, I like Joaquin and Phoenix a lot. And it's weird that there is no Batman there. Well, we do get or, a shot of him, sort of. We get we see a young, young, young Bruce Wayne. Oh, uh, uh, oh that oh, is Gotham style. It, yeah, so it, essentially, if uh, it was officially confirmed that in that trailer, there's a moment where um, Arthur Fleck is the character's name that's uh, that becomes the Joker in this universe, as far as we know, uh, and he reaches into uh, a, a broad metal gate in front of a place and puts his fingers in this small child's mouth and makes that little happy face, and we oh. find out that it was indeed a young Bruce Wayne. Okay, well then. So... Because I, I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just stealing jokes from Twitter at this point. But there are, you know, there, there are, there are, you know, I, when I saw it, it's like, oh, gee, the perfect 2019 analog, a, a, a Joker and no Batman to save us. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> uh, and, and of course, oh, also the the classic. Oh man, I wish I could attribute this to someone, but it's like, it's like you want to know how I got my scars? And then he just wheels up the TV and puts it in front of him and pops the Joker movie into the Blu-ray and forces them to watch it for the next. <laughs> <run>. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I have not actually, seen that one, but that one, I wish I did. Actually, yeah. Ben, what's your take on it? Because you and I really, like I said, we haven't talked about it. We we haven't had an opportunity to talk about it all this week. So. I, the more we've heard about it over the course of the past couple months, you know, since its announcement and everything, I've been in, intrigued, to say the least. And when the trailer finally dropped, um, I, you know, it's... It's weird. My a friend of mine actually put it this way: that it seems like a lot of people are trying to make their movies seem like a Darren Aronofsky film, <laughs> um, and this is definitely a good example of that too. But you know what? I think with this movie, it works, and I think one of the things that I'm really intrigued about the most is the fact that this is DC taking a risk in trying something different and trying. I mean, because we know how the Marvel Cinematic Universe works at this point, and everything's connected to its own. I mean, and if you don't, you've probably suffered a severe head injury <laughs> over the last 10 years. Yeah. You know, everything's connected in the in the MCU, and, you know, DC took a shot, and they saw that, you know, things with DCEU weren't working as well as they should have, and they're taking a shot now with doing this one-off film. And yes, it's a risk, but I think in the long run, I think this is a risk that's really going to pay off for them, because after watching that trailer... The first instinct I had was, man, I can't wait till this is out because I want to see it. 
Yeah, and, and a random deep cut in that trailer where it was just kind of like they lifted a scene directly out of the Kings of Comedy from Martin Scorsese. And you're like, wow. And it, with the same actor, you, you have Robert De Niro playing a talk show host. And you're like, what is going on? This is brilliant. <laughs> and I'm like, this is but like, it's so funny that you have a character like Todd Phillips who wrote The Hangover and directed The Hangover and said, hey, I'm going to make a Joker film. And you're like, that shouldn't work. But then you think about it. And you're like, no, that actually should absolutely work. Uh, because what better way to handle a character that thinks or breaks and kind of goes insane and just within with a person that can, well, arguably write one of the comedies that kind of reset our generation for a while as far as the way that we had our comedic films come at us. Um, you know, the the original Hangover film kind of changed everything, and it kind of it kind of gave us that uh, a kick in the ass that we needed for a while. Hangover two and three, we just tried to ignore their existence, but like the first <laughs> one, I mean, like definitely. You think about like we talk about just randomly movies like Game Night or like Tag and all those things. That really feels like that was built upon the DNA that we got from that film. It's really true, and I think if you can take that. And add that level of tragedy to it. And, you know, everybody always says comedy is the hardest thing next to horror to actually pull off. And if you can pull that off and make it a dark comedy, I think you, you've got a potential winner on your hands. But you, you know what? At the same time, too, we're in a day and age now where it's really appreciative and really cool to see a lot of these directors who are known for one thing taking a step outside of what may be their comfort zone and trying something different. Uh, you know, with Todd Phillips, as you mentioned, being a comedic director and, you know, writing The Hangover and now doing, uh, you know, The Joker, you have, uh, as we mentioned, you know, director David Sandberg, who's directed horror and now directing superhero family films. Uh, you have Jordan Peele, who was a comedy, who was a comedian and a comedic writer writing horror films like Us and Get Out and now doing The Twilight Zone. Uh, I you have James Wan, who did Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, making Aquaman. Ta-da! Well, there might not be too much of a stretch <laughs> between those two. E e Eli Roth did kids' movie The House of the Clock in the Twelfth. Yeah, which yeah. was a great movie. It was yeah. really it fun. Was. It was really, really fun. Minus the weird CGI baby version of, <laughs> of, of Jack Jump Black. At the end, end. yeah. yeah that was... That was the moment that I was like, I think you may have gone too far here, but there, there, there was also the like the like uh, what was it? The, like the pooping like hedge or something that was totally like, uh, you know, Pat Oswalt style. It's like, oops, I just tripped in some butterscotch. Things were like <laughs> happening off screen. Like it went, it went good in the test audiences. We're gonna use it again or do it five different times in the movie. It's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> As long as I can finish my movie, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. I mean, it's it's really cool to see a lot of these directors and writers kind of step out of what they're known for and and kind of walk into a different spotlight, and it's a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Tom what Todd Phillips brings to the Joker. I'm I'll be in theaters to watch it. So also, this means that there's a much higher chance of Justin Bartha being in the movie. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> National <laughs> Treasures Riley himself. <laughs> oh God! What has Justin Bartha done since the Hangover movies? I don't know if he's done anything since the Hangover movies. Picked up residual checks. Yeah, well, there you <laughs> go. <Pretty> much. <laughs> it's like AT and T is airing it for the twelfth time today. Huzzah! Yep. I can buy a, a loaf of bread, maybe. Yeah. So uh, I'm now. sure he's doing fine. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Hey man, I've, um, I've been hearing rumors. He, 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 he survived Geely. He's no, he's good. I've been hearing rumors of a possible National Treasure 3 for a while now. So. Oh, man, I've been... Well, yes, I made it. 
Thank you very oh, much. Oh, that's true. That's very, very true. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, man, I've been, I've been hoping, I've been hoping. I keep hearing th- there was a, there was a, there was a thing that they were saying for a while that, or at least he was saying at conventions. There was a brief period of time that one of the things that was going to be in National Treasure Three was the Fountain of Youth, and then that happened in one of the Pirates movies. So he really, so Nicholas Cage was apparently pitching. He wanted to go and find the Fountain of Youth, and then Jack Sparrow would be there because he had taken the stuff from the Fountain <laughs> of Youth and it became like a sing- shared cinematic universe. I'm like, oh god, that is so stupid. It was. Yes, yeah, they're both Bruckheimer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it. like Pirates is about to get its reboot too. So yeah, yeah. So is they it? Own, they own Monkey Island now. I know, and I've been just dis- make well, just get me Garbrush Threepwood. Oh, thank you so much. Actually, we we've been talking forever because we have our three cats. I said eventually when we get a dog, and she's like, all right, well, we have our naming convention for our cats is Chrono Trigger and Cross. So yay, <laughs> deep cut for for video game fans from the nineties. But I always said if we ever get two dogs, we are having LeChuck and Guybrush. So done and done. But yeah, you're did, right did though. You, did you go for the easy gato? <laughs> uh, no, so. But he's got the best song. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, I need to so, play Monkey Island. Oh man, it's it's amazing. It's it's to this day, and you're right, Brian. Like they they should have been just Pirates of the, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie started as a Monkey Island script. Yeah, the first Pirates movie did start as Monkey Island initially. Yeah, and, uh, and, um, and yeah, and mind you, the pirate, the Monkey Island games were sort of inspired by Pirates of the Caribbean. So there's a lot of like weird cross pollination between the two of them. There is, so, and yeah. it, you go back to the first couple pirate films. I mean, you can see the DNA of Monkey Island all mm. over them, like oh, yeah. down to, you know, just Barbosa himself and their crew is it's is visually. It is LeChuck's design, oh, yeah, head, yeah. head to toe, including the the whole ghost aspect that they do, just minus the whole moonlight curse piece. It's just, nope, he's just dead. Uh, and I think we're going to see a couple odds and ends for characters, but then it's going to be Red, who's from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, who was the, the uh, we want the redhead bit that they did from a long time ago that caused a lot of controversy. And then she became the pirate queen of Tortuga. So yep. it sounds like she's going to be the new lead. So Oh, Red is a female character. Yes. Oh, so. that could be interesting. That could be a lot of fun, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, Indeed. She's being auctioned off in the original version of the ride, and um, they just rebooted her herself. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, she was. She was tweaked. Yeah, she was tweaked. I think about a year ago. I think at the parks, give or take. Yeah. So. Literally, the last time I was at Disney World was the last week that she was going to. The old version of her was going to be there. And boy, howdy, were there a lot of people that looked exactly how you think they would. Uh, they're wearing T-shirts saying that they want to keep the redhead there. So, hmm. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's been... always fun. <laughs> yeah, I, haven't, so. I haven't been to Disney since like 98, so I couldn't even remember that there being a, a, a red in that Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean ride. Yeah, angry fanboys get angry. <sighs> Oh, as we have learned from Captain Marvel and some other other yeah. films. So uh, yes, and if you're one of those people, I highly recommend going back to the Caffeine Crew cast of pods and <laughs> checking out our episode on toxicity in fandoms. Oh man, I wish I had a cheap plug sound effect right now. Yeah, do 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 do, and then just done. Because that's what that was was a cheap plug. Oh my god, absolutely. That's all right. It's fine. <laughs> um. 
you know, so, all right, so we've talked about comic books, we've talked about movies. Uh, Brian, what about the world of TV? Like, what's been interesting to you right now? Not necessarily, like, superhero or anything like that, but just what's what's been fun for you to watch right now? What have I been watching? Like, there are a few things that kind of wrapped up with a whimper, unfortunately. Um, like, I love Kimmy Schmidt. Like, it's got the best, like, jokes per minute ratio of any show on television. But uh, they... Um, last season was again best jokes in the world every you know 30 seconds you get an amazing joke but the stories maybe didn't hold together as well but they they ended strong if anything yeah yeah that's one i've been uh i've been meaning to check out for a while and now that it's wrapped i i might it's one of those things where like the first season is perfect so like even if you just can't go through that first season you get like some of the best jokes but um yeah let's see what else is there um i did enjoy umbrella academy Oh, such a good show. Such a good show. Funny thing is, I watched it, and I'm sitting there like, oh my god, I can't believe they are doing all this bonkers crap from the comic. I can't believe they're translating it so, you know, faithfully. And then I went back and I read the comics, and the comics are just so freaking bonkers. There's no way you could possibly adapt that. Like, I completely forgot just how insane it gets in the comics. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more, like, kid superhero stuff that obviously would be hard to do for several levels. But there's a point where they're fighting the, uh, the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. 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 The, the, the comics are nuts. Uh, you never know. Right? <laughs> Season two, that could happen. Yeah. So Netflix ups the budget, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see what what else is there. What else is there? Um. Hmm. Oh, uh, I'm I'm slowly catching up on. Uh, oh, I won't mention that. Um. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I, I, here's a, a show I'm, I'm curious if you have seen yet, just because I absolutely adore the show, but have you caught any of the Orville on Fox? I have not. I am actually not. A, oh God, I'm, I'm going to say this out in the, out in public. I'm not a huge fan of Seth MacFarlane. I hate his guts and I think the Orville is phenomenal. So okay, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Yeah. I, I, I don't find him funny at all. And this is the first time I've ever liked Seth MacFarlane. Um, I, I, you know, I think everybody was like, oh, Family's Guy, when Family Guy first came out, I'm like, hey, it's different, it's fun, it's uh, it's edgy and all that stuff. And then it just kept going, and I'm like, please stop. <laughs> it's it's That's kind of how it felt. But, like, the rest I, of his humor I, usually I, never I, landed. I, I love I love having sharing the first name of one of the characters from that show. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It, well, you know what, though? Well, on that note with, you know, with the Seth MacFarlane, I think a lot of people automatically assumed that because Seth was behind Family Guy, that this was pretty much going to be a live action Family Guy in space. Uh, yeah. And it's not that at all. He pays such an homage to to the source material of Star Trek. And I mean, there are legit Star Trek writers behind the show. Uh, huh. Jonathan Frakes has even directed a couple episodes of the show. And it's the show itself has been getting better and better. And it's even to the point now where other Fox shows like the Simpsons and such are dropping, are dropping these subtle little hints for Fox to just step up and renew the show for a third season already, man. Um, you know, like in the in the Simpsons, I think it was a couple weeks ago when in the opening sequence where Bart's writing on the chalkboard, the same oh, yeah, line. Got, that's the, that's the easiest thing to drop stuff in for. And I think a couple weeks ago it was Bart writing over and over again, "Renew the Orville." Um, <laughs> you know, so even Fox shows are getting behind Fox. No, 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 not Fox shows. 
Disney, Disney shows. shows now. And oh, actually, that's right. The Orville's a Disney property now. Yes. And, and if you have a problem with that, blame Brian. He's a Disney shareholder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh you, you saw my picture of the gigantic <laughs> phone book they sent me of legalese to vote on? Yes, I did. I did. I saw that uh, when that when you initially posted that way back when. So Yeah, yeah. Man, let me tell you, it's like the... the... <laughs> Yeah, the I mean the the worst part about this is now um, we are going. We, it's going to take so much longer for a Squirrel Girl movie to happen because we've got the uh, the X Men and the Fantastic Four now. And, yeah. also, and, and also and also thousands of people are going to lose their jobs. And um, they, we just poured billions of dollars into a hate factory. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> aside from that, also I'm upset about the Squirrel Girl movie. Yeah. Well, you never know. Like I said, if they need to cash in quick, uh, what is it? Um, you know, Miss Marvel and a Squirrel Girl movie, you know, would explode. So, oh yeah, I, I can tell you right now, I would go and see that movie in a heartbeat, especially <laughs> if the rumored casting who they wanted for it was would actually happen. That being Anna Kendrick, um, yeah. I in a heartbeat, I would go and see that movie. Yeah, I'd see an Anna Kendrick movie in a heartbeat, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if if you get the chance to watch it, I know even though you, you're not a big Seth MacFarlane fan, I, I'd i still recommend it because it's it's been yeah. so great. It's a great binge watch. Uh, I will I will actually. Yeah, I will 100 percent back him up from somebody that is coming from your 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 spot. It's well worth the time to to invest in the show and everybody said you know this was the this is the a better star trek show than discovery and that's uh that's comes to fighting words and words in some circles yeah Yeah, and and discovery has actually been really good this season so i don't maybe last season i would agree with that i think they're right on par this season but i mean there's been a couple episodes of orville this season in the second season that i would put up there uh if not better than some star trek episodes like they've just been phenomenal. So what, 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 cool. what, be able to watch it with my kid. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, there's there's definitely some adult humor in it, but I don't think it's nothing. I mean, it's Fox. It's there. There's nothing too raunchy or anything like that. My I mean, general, my general opinion on this these sorts of things, so long as it's not like a hard R Deadpool kind of thing, you know. Oh no, you're not. You won't no, get no, anything no. from that from the Orville. <laughs> they couldn't hear. They probably don't understand anyway, so it just goes over their head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, but Pretty you much. Remember when they when they were heavily hyping it at first, he's like, "That show looks funny." I'm just like, "Ah, oh, Seth MacFarlane." <laughs> so, no, there were, you wouldn't get anything like Hard R, or Deadpool, or anything like that. Again, it's it's on Fox Network at eight o'clock, yeah. so it's you know, yeah. you're not going to get yeah. anything. Well, I, I've heard some crap on on Family Guy that upset me thoroughly. So, <laughs> well, they kind of push the boundaries a lot on Family Guy, though, too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a cartoon. It's not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, just just in case, you know, I, I figure that's a good time for us to real quick get your um, get your info for where people can find you just in, you know, in, in the event that we we have a connection issue or a drop. Um, and, um, you know, that way, too, we can we can um, yeah, I probably push should, that again at the end. So yeah, I probably should have said this uh, when I was doing all the. <laughs> I'm so out of I'm so out of podcast shape. And even then, we would never promote anything because we are terrible at it. Uh, <laughs> I'm an actual podcast na- guest now. Um, yeah, so I, I am uh, Brian Glein, uh, spelled stupid uh, and, and uh, German style. So that is uh, B-R-I-A-N-G-L-E-I-N-E. Uh, uh, that, so at Brian Glein uh, on Twitter. 
I somehow managed to get Brian G. Uh, bigcartel.com if you want to buy my uh, children's books or enamel pins. Uh, I'm sure that will go down um, around my con appearances to make sure I, I don't accidentally sell out of anything. Uh, but once those first two are over, I will probably re-upload with what I have left uh, before I restock for uh, the Chicago appearance. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm Brian Glein Comics. Um, and God, I feel like there should be one more that oh, I've, got, I've got an Instagram. But I don't use that for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Same. <laughs> it's, it's it's just I, I don't get it. Like I've got friends who are just addicted to it, and I just cannot figure out what the appeal is. But that's just me. No, I'm there too. I, I think I was just kind of like, but I have one social media. Why do I need more? I'm good. <laughs> so. It's quite okay. Um, you know, real quick, can uh, just repeat those dates and locations of where you are going to be for those of you that missed this in the beginning. All right. Uh, Small Press and, and Alternative Comics Expo. It's called Space uh, down Columbus, Ohio, April 27th and 28th. Uh, free comic book day at Carol and John's Comics in Cleveland. Uh, you can get to their information at cnjcomics.com. Uh, that is... Uh, Again, Cleveland, Ohio, May 3rd in the evening, uh, 10 to 2 a.m., 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., and then uh, the 4th, uh, early in the day through 6 o'clock. Um, and then uh, Chicago Zine Fest in Chicago, Illinois, May 17th and 18th. Perfect. And we'll share that information out, too, on uh, our uh, page, which obviously everybody here knows, Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Yeah. Yeah, we'll share those dates for sure. Very good. So. Good. Uh, All right, I think it's time to make the hard turn. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, do you think we should go into uh, go into some breakdown of the episodes? Yeah, unless you want to talk about Danny the Street and Doom Patrol for like the next hour and a half. Oh, my God. I, I totally will. We, we really <laughs> so. could. I know I, it's one of those things, you know, I can't wait until uh, we, when we hit the summer episodes and we start doing the breakdown of Doom Patrol because this... God, I'm just going to put it out there right now. It's my recommendation for the week after watching. And this was the first time you and I actually got to watch an episode together. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. we got a chance. You, me, and my wife watched that together last night. And, uh, yeah, man, that show uh, continues to be amazing. And i am got to say it. When we get to the primary awards this summer, uh, Danny the Street, best new character probably, in my opinion. So It could be. Yeah, it would definitely probably most likely be a nominee and could win it. I don't know, man. It's It's been rough. I mean, it, it not rough, but it's going to be tough. I mean, between Danny the Street, between Cliff, be, and, you know, all of the Doom Patrol. Uh, Crazy Jane's been a, f- a phenomenal. Rita's been fantastic. You know, just- Lex and Supergirl, it's, man, it's going to be tough. Trying to decide who that best new character of the year is, and uh, I'm man. not looking forward to making those nomination lists. But <laughs> it, 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 can we have it, a nomination list of twenty people? We we could, and just <laughs> start getting votes in, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah. So yeah, we gotta start putting that together soon too. Uh, don't make me do work. <laughs> I'll do I'll do the I'll do the heavy lifting on the primary awards. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. We'll work on it together. We'll figure that mess out. I want to know how they're doing Danny the Street, but at the same time, I don't want to pay for DC Universe just yet. And it is, I don't want anyone to say, say anything, but man, I'm just intrigued as hell that they managed to pull that off. Brian, uh, we, will, uh, we will talk on ways that you can watch Doom Patrol 
without signing up for DC Universe. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it's okay, because I signed up for DC Universe, so one of the three people here has. Done and done. Yeah, I no so longer good. feel bad. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, another yeah. fantastic episode of Doom Patrol. Again, my recommendation for the week. So it's yes, you know, after same. last night. And actually, I'm I'm gonna even get my recommendation out of the way now too. Uh, definitely, DC Universe. Um, they just upped their game in a big bad way this past week. They have added everything, every comic book that they have ever published for the most part. Um, in from anywhere from exactly one year ago to the beginnings of DC are now on the service. And uh, man, the comics reader is fantastic. I am really blown away with the service so far. So, um, yeah, I didn't think I'd say that, but yeah, huzzah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were showing me the comic reader last night, and it was, uh, I was highly impressed. I think uh, I might actually re sign up for the service again, just purely for the comic reader. Uh, I, I mean, I saw comics on there back from like 1940s, which is, and you, and one of the things that you pointed out to me as well when you were looking at, when you were showing it to me is the scan quality of the comics is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, oh, my 4K TV, like it, it's crystal clear. And it's, that means they, they had to put a real high res image. Sorry, what was that, Brian? Comics on TV. What kind of crazy future is this? <laughs> I know. I, and they pull into, like, text box to text box where you can click through panel by panel and they'll, like, actually know when to, like, scale out and show yeah. you, like, heavy imagery and all that stuff, too. Like, they do I, a really I, beautiful I job. The intern who has to program all that stuff in. Oh, God. that It's got to be a nightmare. Well, yeah, program it, scan it, all that stuff. Like, that's got to be... That's a job that you don't want, but hopefully get paid a lot for or you probably don't you know uh all right let's jump into the breakdowns of the episodes this week uh it's going to be interesting to see what brian thinks because he's you know i know brian you're not caught up on the shows just yet a few years removed yeah so so you're gonna you're gonna hear descriptions of things happening on these shows that you might not have expected like mexican luchadors and whatnot yeah (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) i i got when when they jumped off of hulu onto their own app i'm like oh this will be fine i will just use their new app and then like i missed a couple weeks and then start stuff started cycling out and then there's this whole season's worth of stuff to watch on netflix i'm like oh god no Uh, all right, so let's start. Uh, let's go back and start with Supergirl season four, episode seventeen, all about Eve. Supergirl must deal with the destructive aftermath of Lex's nefarious plans. Shocked at what Lex has created, Supergirl faces her biggest challenge yet. That's a little vague, um, but that's well, what... it, it makes sense though. It <laughs> the does. Time we hit the end of the episode, absolutely. Yeah, uh, so, you know. So yeah, so jumping into the episode, uh, you know, we mentioned that. It, it it was great seeing how by the end of this episode, we had already kind of talked a little bit over the past couple of weeks about how Lex was really an underlying part of everything that had happened from Ben Lockwood and the Agents of Liberty to uh, Manchester Black. And uh, even though he wasn't, Manchester Black was basically just a... Uh, an aftermath of the Ben Lockwood situation. Uh, but, you know, from Ben Lockwood to, you know, Red Daughter and everything, Lex has been involved with everything. And, you know, from the beginning, even though we weren't introduced to his character until two weeks ago, and man, that played out beautifully by the end of this episode. You saw in what way he was directly connected to everything. Yes. And I have a massive question, and I know we're jumping well ahead. So we have the moment with Lena, um, Kara, and Alex in Eve's lab. 
And they find, obviously, the Harinelle and the fact that essentially they revived Otis with using the Metallo project. It, is, it, did I miss something or is, is now Otis a new version of Metallo? No, I thought about that, too. And I think that might have been a misstep in the writing and on, oh. pretty much the only misstep in the writing uh, for, okay. for this episode is because they say that that's probably how they brought Otis back. And they say that, like, there was a kryptonite. I think there was only the one kryptonite heart um, okay. from what I gathered from the way they explained everything. And, I, and now they have it. The DEO has that kryptonite heart because Lena even says or Lena or Supergirl says at one point and probably in Otis at one time. So mm -hmm. I think they they were able to use that kryptonite heart and the Metallo program to bring Otis back, but then somehow were able to remove it from him, and he's now human again. Interesting. Okay, I, I'm just very curious on how that's going to play out. So, um, but uh, you know what? I would that would be amazing if they they made Otis the a Metallo. Uh, yeah, Otis, uh, the bumbling character, a new version of Metallo, because we did see a version of Metallo again this episode. Yeah. Or, or, uh, Brian, so. if you're Brian, if you're not aware, um, if you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the original, uh, you know, Christopher Reeve Superman, uh, Richard Donner. Uh, we now have Lex, Eve Tessmacher, and Otis together. Yeah, well then. With yeah, and Mercy and Mercy Graves was in the beginning of the season two, and that they made Otis's um, sister. Yeah. So, which was holy crap! Everything just kind of colliding. You're like, wow, this is kind of brilliant, and it works way too well. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I think that was a little confusing to me, too, when I was watching it. But I kind of it's weird because they were going into that whole thing about the Harinelle and the Metallo program. And then uh, all of a sudden, as you're trying to ponder what's going on, a Metallo bursts into the room and, you you know, Supergirl, um, Lena and Alex have to take it on. And it's it's kind of fun to see that it was actually Lena and Alex that stopped Metallo and not Kara. Indeed. So Yeah, that was I think they did a decent job of that. Yeah. I think you know, we probably will jump around a little bit as as well, you know, talking about this episode, but one of the things that I was really uh pleased with when it came to the end of this episode and this was something we kind of called a couple weeks ago as well is seeing Colonel Haley and even though we didn't get a lot of her this episode seeing that she really is not as bad of a character as we had initially were led to believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but you know what? Who's still a bad person that I still I can't wait to see get his comeuppance? President Tron. <laughs> President uh, so, Tron. Uh, yeah, so uh, just so you're aware, Brian, Bruce Boxlitner is the president of the United okay. States. I and is name the character president tron i'm like wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> no rob just calls him president tron because so it's it's, it's president baxter or, or president yeah. baker president baker and yeah so i just i can't not call him president tron so he's essentially the trump analog essentially mm. so pretty much yeah uh yeah but 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 bruce broxletner has been you're right he's he's not a a villain in the truest sense as like lex is but he is you just it, want to see him get his comeuppance. Yeah, it, it's bad to say that you want to see a president like. I, no, it's not. <laughs> so well, I don't. I don't know if we want to see him die, but no, like, no, no. Want to see I, him I locked up? Anything, I didn't see anything about bodily harm at all. No, uh, but you I do. You want to see him. You want to see him locked up. 
Indeed, indeed. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, no. Oh, you want you want the President Lex Luthor ending, basically. Well, you know, we've actually talked about that. We actually said that there is a possibility that that is something they could do with the way this season has been going is you could well no actually no lex is a flat-out criminal on the run at this point so by the end of the season you're not going to see him running for president of the united states Uh, you know know what though crazier things have happened as you know president tron's storyline i could see that maybe yeah yeah even though I know absolutely nothing about it, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. It, I mean, it would be it would be interesting if that is something additional that we find out in that not only has, uh, you know, Ben Lockwood and, you know, company been under Lex's thumb, but the president as well. I it's I would not I would not put it past anything at this point in time, because it seems like the show is constantly just impressing me week after week after week. And if they make a big moment like that happen, I, I would not be surprised one bit. So, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the John and Marin aspect. Okay, yeah, Could- I think that's a good good place to kind of get that storyline out of the way before we get into the rest of the meat of the episode. Yeah, because so. I mean, it's it. We one of the things that we talked about too, and we when we had the when we had David Harewood on the podcast. Uh, a little over a year ago for the, around the 100th, you know, one of the things that we liked and we talked to him about was just the interaction that he had with the, the two actors, with uh, David and Carl together. Just the, the interaction that they had together on screen was just something that shined. And it was so great seeing Carl Lumby come back for this episode and getting to see that happen once again, because once again, it played out beautifully uh, how well they play off of each other on screen. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's really always beautiful writing, beautiful acting between the two of them. Um, but you, you know, it was funny because you mentioned a couple weeks ago the first time you 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 made the comment thinking he was like, oh, did he just call himself a manhunter? And I'm like, no, he's done it in the past. But I will say this week we did hear the very first time Martian manhunter. Yeah, um, which was really really cool to hear both, um, you know, Marin and John kind of refer to John in that way, in that light, kind of stating. This has kind of felt like the real next piece of his character's growth. Yeah, it's been a four se- it's been a four season arc for John, and um, I-, I don't think any of it has been weak at any point. I mean, it's always been it's been real fun to watch as it's progressed, and I think now we've gotten to a point after this episode that we're going to see probably the version of Martian Manhunter that most people know. Uh, I think this is the first time we're actually seeing John kind of come to grips with who he actually is. Yeah, uh, he's been struggling over the course of the past year. Like you know, uh, he at first he was working with the DEO, and then now he was he wanted to become a man of peace, and now he's starting to realizing that's something that he he's he's never going to be. He is this Martian manhunter, and 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 but he's still rocking the te- uh, the John Jones Detective Agency too now. So which it, it's done and done so it's it's only a matter of time now before we're going to see like that he's john jones detective martian manhunter and in the office is just a bag of chacos sitting on the desk yeah at all times well we had chacos oh we had chacos last week and we forgot to talk about him so (laughs) that's right yeah brainy brainy got him uh out of the vending machine in the hospital Mm -hmm. so um yeah yeah, you you did tell me that uh, Brainiac uh, 
five is on Supergirl now? Yes, he is. Yes, he yeah. kind of replaced Wynn's character for for the time being while Jeremy Jordan is doing some Broadway stuff. Okay. Uh, so he has been a lead character. Uh, also, this season, one of the other newer characters in the mix is Nia Nall, Dreamer. So she is a big part now into the show now as well. So Another one of those never thought I would see it on TV characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have the elite now too. So the hat is now locked up behind behind bars. Um, menagerie and Manchester Black just recently bit it. So, oh, and right. all of them were brilliant. And I mean, really, really wonderfully done, without question. Manchester Black, geez, yeah. Just just to show the kind of conversations me and Rob will have. Uh, like I was at the gym the other day, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone on TV and a Flash commercial that I'm like. Holy crap! Is that XS from the Legion? Because that's, <laughs> that's 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 how I live my life. I can just clock random superheroes. I remember from Impulse, you know, twenty mm-hmm. years later. So he's just like, yeah. And, and Brainiac Five is on. That was her. And Brainiac Five is on Supergirl. Like, holy crap! Yeah, yeah. XS is a huge part of this season of Flash. Well, yeah, she's the catalyst of everything this year. Um, and we're dealing with weird versions of Cicada as the big bad in the Flash this year. Like, it's Things have gone off the rails, so. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's you know, it's um, it's fun seeing Brainiac Five, and you know, we got uh, it's I'm really disappointed. I, we talked a little bit about this last week because it, I think it was either last week or the week, no, it was two weeks ago, uh, that Manchester Black bit it, as you put it, and it's it was it was disappointing but brilliant at the same time because it, I loved the character. And I wanted to see more of the character, but the way the story was progressing, it was something that had to happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know what? I think because he, he became a quick fan favorite, they'll find a way to bring him back. I would not be surprised. Well, we got him vocally this yeah. episode. Uh, you know, he, uh, he did do some voice work this episode this week. Uh, yeah, but I, I generally think they'll, they'll find a way to bring him back into the fold because everybody really loved him that much. So, yeah. Um. Okay, so we got the we got the John Jones and um, Marin stuff out of the way. We've talked a little bit about Lexing, uh, Lex underlying everything uh, that's been going on. Let's talk a little bit about the ending because yeah. you know. I mean, um, oh, and the sorry, all super slick side note is uh, James Olsen is definitely going through some PTSD. So his him and his sister are kind of working through that together um by the end of the episode too because of the attack that we're about to talk about yes uh you know we you know and you know on that note real quick as well it was really kind of heartbreaking to watch the the expression on james's face when he finds out that it was eve that that shot him Mm -hmm. um but other than I mean, but we we knew it because we had predicted it and we figured it out last week. And then they just kind of this week they were like, yeah, it was Eve that that shot James. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so by the end of this episode, which is really the point that kind of kicked this into legend territory for both of us, is you know we see that the Alien Amnesty Act has now been repealed. We know. I have one question for you before we continue on with this. Sure. There's a moment in the episode where, you know, the the breaking news happens when they're in Catco and we see that the Alien Amnesty Act has been repealed. And we see that moment where uh, the the woman in the background becomes Eve and then becomes the woman again because of the the inhibitor. Mm hmm. Did nobody else at home happen to catch that too? Did was Kara the only one that caught that when that happened on broadcast television? 
it could have been one of those blink blink of an eye moments that only Supergirl or Superman could have catched. You know, kind of like, you know, they're they're the superpower kind of angle. I think is the bit, but I think in general, it was just a poorly executed moment of the show. Uh, but again, it was something that literally lasted what one to two seconds. So, oh yeah, um, I mean, I'm not saying it killed any of the episode for me, but it just made me laugh because I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, that was very obvious. If nobody but Kara saw that, like that's yeah, ridiculous. Pretty, pretty much, it was like, uh, so that was a massive suspension of disbelief. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so we see the we see the Alien Amnesty Act. Um, you know, get repealed, which means all aliens now have to leave the planet. Uh, They're no longer a safe... Earth is no longer a safe haven for aliens. We see Kara go to the White House because they're looking for Eve. They know Eve is in D.C. Uh, But it's all a trick. It's all a ruse to kind of draw Supergirl away from the White House because the ultimate plan of Lex Luthor is to have Red Daughter in Supergirl's outfit attacking D.C. Which... yes is a brilliant and smart move from a nefarious supervillain like Lex Luthor. Yeah, and I kind of love the way that they kind of stopped Kara in this was they they had basically the Lexo suit fire out of the car and a you know kind of trap her inside the suit that's powered by kryptonite that she couldn't do anything about it. I love the fact that they're so not afraid to use the uh, you know Lex's power armor all over the last several episodes. It, like we've seen it like 3 times and I'm not bored of seeing it at all. Fantastic. Yeah. It's been yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh yeah, and it's, by the end of the se- gigantic like in the comics or is it just sort of like Adam style, you know, oh it 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 fits in. It's a it's a happy in between. It's not the massive. It's not a massive suit. It's more think of like the classic like Super Friends superpowers kind of version, uh, but a little bit more tech looking, a little bit more streamlined, and with a fancy you know like Tony Stark heads up display yeah. inside, uh, like down to the T. Except things are a little bit more green and yellow. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, though, it it works incredibly well without kind of coming off the way that they did the Atom suit. Um, it, it fits and it feels like that suit still. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I was actually going to say, you know, picture probably like Ray Palmer's suit, but with uh, elements of Iron Man and just with a look of the, the Lexo suit, because it's that's really what it is. It it comes I mean, in carton. I, 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 I mean, I want him stomping around in like a Tron Bond style, like ridiculous. Man, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with what this, though. Yeah, it works. Uh, yeah, it, it could almost be like a super mech. Uh, kind yeah. of Lexo suit, uh, which, hey, man, at the rate they've been going, wouldn't be surprised if it happens at some point. No, <laughs> so not at all. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was very interesting to see. And it's going to be really interesting to see where they go with this for going forward, because, you know, by the end of this episode, the president makes a president Tron makes a, nas- a national declaration that uh, they will not tolerate Supergirl's attack. And she is public enemy number one. I love the fact that you were just like very nonchalantly just called him President Tron without second thought. <laughs> I have I'm to so now. happy I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to now. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, it's funny. I was having a conversation with, uh, uh, I think it was TJ um, this past week. And I think you were, it was when we were actually recording the episode. And I was like, you know, you, you can see exactly where the season is ending and where it's going to go for Crisis of Infinite Earths next year is, you know, Red Daughter, Snowbird, whatever you want to call her, you know. You know, Russian Supergirl will indeed end up kind of working on the side of good. We will have Supergirl and the aliens all kind of turned back around and Earth is a safe haven. 
And she's going to go off to Argo and become Power Girl. And then she will be our sacrifice next year. Because it makes all of the sense. So, because a Supergirl has to die in Crisis. Uh, so. Brian, were you aware that they were doing that next season? Uh, no, I was not. I mean, I, they, they, I mean, that's like the very first episode of Flash. They like hint that it's going to happen eventually. Yeah. And you, th- I, and you think, oh, that's never actually going to happen. But now I guess they finally got there. They have pushed uh, up the timeline and they are doing, uh, it is official that they are doing next year's crossover will be Crisis on Infinite Earths. Man. Yes. And they introduced Dr. Destiny and Psycho Pirate in the crossover this year. So as you as you have to. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's going to be, well. and I, we, I mean, we have a feeling that's where Arrow is going to wrap up next year since they're only doing 10 episodes, um, you know, and it's been hinted at that Oliver is going to be a sacrifice as well, which is most likely he's, why they're they're doing he's it. He's basically going to be taking the place of the Flash, so. Yeah, so it's going to be, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> as we were talking about before, noted professional wrestler Stephen Amell. <laughs> noted professional, <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's really all they're that's, really. I think that kind of break that it, breaks it down, Supergirl. Yeah, that wraps it up. Uh, what do we got next week? Uh, or are they on break again? They are on break until April twenty first. Uh, next week, the only show we have to talk about is Legends of Tomorrow. So uh, we're gonna. We're, I think we're gonna throw in Justice League uh, versus the. Um, the Fatal Five. Fatal Five next week. Uh, maybe we'll go into a little bit more Shazam because uh, you might have had the chance to see it. And I'm, I'm probably most likely going to have seen it for the second time. So uh, mm-hmm. that'll give some people some time to see it, too, before we go into, like, spoiler zone with that. Uh, but, yeah, Supergirl on break until April 21st. So I think that's two weeks before it comes back. And no, it's Crime and Punishment, episode 18. No plot yet for the episode. So we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Uh, all right, let's jump into Legends of Tomorrow, Season 4, Episode 9, Lucha de Apoetis. When the legends hear that Mona has let a fugitive go, they must head to 1961 Mexico City to clean up her mess. Mona tries to convince the legends and the Bureau that the people responsible for releasing the fugitive were some mysterious men in black and not her. Uh, with no evidence to back up her theory, the legends must decide if they should trust her or and go against the Bureau. Okay, there's no ore in there. Uh, meanwhile, Nate and Zari go on a recon mission to find out what Hank might be hiding from everyone. So, uh, before wait, we... Wait, wait, wait a second. It's called Lucha de Apuestas? Uh, I think that's how it's pronounced, yeah. Like a hair versus mask match or something? Y- yeah, that's it's actually what uh, sort of what it is. There's like a, a mask versus mask match at the end of this. Aha, uh-huh. that, that's mm-hmm. what's in reference to. Cool, cool, cool. Good, looks like yeah. I actually pronounced uh, it properly. Yeah. Makes sense, yeah. Cool. I'm actually happy I pronounced it properly because I don't know a lick of Spanish. <laughs> um, I took a Spanish class, but it was mostly the teacher talking about all the time she had gone to Span to Spain or Mexico, as opposed to actually teaching us anything. But I learned the pronunciation key, so I've got that going for me. All right. <laughs> I'm excited I got it right. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things I I want to talk about this real quick before we go into the actual breakdown. One of the things I read online. Um, some point over the last week is that the writers before because we we do know who the big bad of um this season is going to be and that's um we got introduced to him before neuron uh, neuron yeah uh which is (laughs) awesome (laughs) you know which is a constantine reference um 
the writers, when they had first started writing this season, had actually initially planned for Hank to be the big bad of this season. Interesting. Uh, but Tom Wilson became so likable and so fun um, on set that they actually felt they couldn't do that to his character uh, because they actually started they uh, they obviously liked um, loved Tom but they started to really like Hank as well so and you can definitely see that in the earlier episodes um, well not that you could see him being the villain but you could see him potentially being a big bad of the season uh, right. but they kind of flipped it a little bit because of how much they grew to love Tom and how much they actually enjoyed writing for Hank so knowing that now it's going to be interesting to see where they take the Hank character yeah we, yeah which Hank are we talking about here? Uh, Hank Hay Hank Haywood, who is Nate Haywood's father. Okay. Um, Nate Haywood is um, Steel. Steel. Yeah. Okay. All right. I thought maybe it was Hank Hall, Hawk, and Dove, and then no, they're they're on, they're on yeah. Titans. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so knowing that now about how they kind of changed their format for Hank, because we're still at that point now where we're believing Hank to be a big bad. Um, because he does have some kind of underlying plan, which, you know, comes, you know, played out in the, the mid-season finale and goes a little bit more into this episode. But knowing now that they kind of changed that, I'm very intrigued to see where they're going to go with his character. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, like I said, having Biff Tannen not be the bad guy, I think is a nice thing. So <laughs> we'll see, we'll see how this, this kind of plays out. Yeah. So. And me being the huge back to the future fan, I am like, I was already a fan of Tom being on this show. Uh, and especially because, oh God, what was the Back to the Future reference we got like right before it went on break? I I couldn't tell you. It, <laughs> There's too many in this show to begin with. So. Yeah, but the the one that we got from him, like I I think I squealed like a ten year old kid. Oh, uh, uh, was it like make like a tree or something like that? I think or, it was. Oh. I think it was something like that. And yeah, yeah and they had to. Oh, no, that's that's exactly what it was. He was like, let's make like a tree and get out of here. And Nate's like, um, not, I'm pretty sure that's not how it goes. And yeah. like, kind of like referencing how he said it wrong in Back to the Future. I'm just happily clapping back here. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, uh, that's like, that's how I was like seeing hearing Tom Wilson make a Back to the Future reference of, of Biff on Legends of Tomorrow was just phenomenal for me. <laughs> so, uh, but let's talk about the things that happen in this episode because there is something that happens at the end of this episode that really kind of confused me. Uh, no, it made sense to me, but uh, it, it was one of those things. Is like, huh, that just happened. <laughs> so I'm going to let you explain it then because I'm I'm still a little confused by it. Sure. Um, but yeah, we see that the legends have now gone to 1960s Mexico because that is where uh, Conan has has gone to. Thanks to Mona, Mona kind of gave him the out when he was on the run and when we get there when the legends get there we find out that he has been there for about six months and he has become a lucha libre wrestler which is just fun because we're getting a a hawaiian werewolf god now is a is a luchador (laughs) in 1960s mexico because why not and going under that old story (laughs) yeah Uh exactly (laughs) yeah it's that typical tale but I love that it was so on the point that like his name was El Lobo, the wolf. Yes. And I'm like, really? That's, that's, that's kind of brilliant. And then it made me also realize, like, oh, Lobo, that makes more sense now. Because <laughs> I, I never really kind of thought about it that way. So You mean, the, what, the DC character, Lobo? Yeah, Lobo. Yeah, I was, I was like, oh, I never really thought about that. So I was like, that's that makes more sense. You think this could have been maybe their way of incorporating? No, no, no. Okay. 
not at all. It, it is it is purely Lobo means wolf uh, in Spanish. So, okay, uh, yeah, I know you you were one of the people you, you like me were kind of felt that it was um, it picked up definitely in uh, in the second half of this episode. But what? Wow, I'm reading. I, I'm just, I'm reading that uh, Dubuck was in this episode too, voiced by Paul Rubens again, and I don't remember that. Yes. Uh, so the Professor Stein puppet was brought oh, in that's right. at the very beginning of the episode. So Paul Rubens came back in to play the puppet of Professor Stein. That's so. right. He only had one line, but as, exactly yeah. as Gary is is Gary is wheeling him into the Time Bureau. Yeah. Let's talk about Gary for a moment, since you brought him up. <laughs> um, are there are there Muppets in this show? <laughs> yes, there are. There. Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say you know that. I mean, if we're, if we're talking about TV tropes, like, you know, Mexican werewolf god luchadors and whatnot, <laughs> I, the, the fact that all of these, like, live-action, like, pulpy cult drama shows always wind up having a Muppet in them at some point is kind of bizarre, right? Well, the way that, that it was that, brought that, about, that, though, was... was uh, needs to be updated it, constantly. Well, this is this is a good-intentioned good intentioned Muppet, um, I think, <laughs> is the best way I can put it. So a couple of years ago, they did Crisis on Earth X, and we had, uh, you know, obviously the Nazi versions of all of the heroes, because like you do. And, um, you know, we do lose Martin Stein from the Legends team back at that point in time. So he was killed and Jax goes off and and begins his, his walkabout with life. Uh, but we do see at that point in time that Leo, a.k.a. Leonard Snart from Earth X, uh, who is a very, very different Captain Cold. Uh, well, it's Citizen, Citizen Cold. Cold. It, Citizen Cold in that universe. Um, he is actually trying to console the, the legends over the loss of their friend and actually creates a puppet of Martin Stein to use as a therapy tool. Uh, there is a evil evil entity that takes over the puppet and tries to kill the legends uh, a couple episodes ago. So, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we got to see the, the wrap up of that in this episode with, uh, with him being taken out on a, I guess, like a... Uh, a Hannibal Lecter like stretcher, absolutely. Yeah. because like you do. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so again, let's talk about Gary for a moment because, man, oh man, that was some of the funniest stuff I've seen, at least from this week's episode. Outside of you know starting a bar fight in in Mexico, um, but th- the part that got me the most was we got reference back to the the first episode of this the season premiere of this episode. With Gary not remembering who he was, thanks to Mona. Uh, and uh, yeah, Mo- Mona essentially men in black flashy thing- thinking him a lot to the point where he has no memory. Yes. So. Uh, and him walking back into the bureau, uh, approaching Ava uh, with a hospital gown on that is completely open from the back uh, and just screaming to everyone, I can't find my nipple. What happened to my nipple? <laughs> uh, because in the season premiere, it was bitten off by a unicorn. Indeed, and I'm Don't saying I, yeah, I'm saying a lot of this stuff basically just to get reactions out of Brian. Pretty much, <laughs> I, I love talking about comics, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because he because of him being behind on everything. I'm I'm curious as to his reactions when he hears stuff like this. Well, think about this is DC primetime rebirth. This is kind of a good jumping on point. So <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, how often do you get to hear about a character getting his nipple bitten off by a unicorn in a DC Universe show? 
And, and then the Scott Cedar's like, it's okay, it's okay. Just think about the stories you'll be able to tell. Chicks dig scars. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's just Constantine's reaction to him. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, a lot of fun with Gary uh, coming back in this episode and then, you know, everything with Mona and Conane. And, you know, thinking about it, I really don't know if there's... I'll turn it over to you because I'm wondering if there's I... anything else I'm missing except with the exception of the ending. I mean, essentially, really, the big pieces you have is you have Zari and you have, you know, Nate uh, at the Bureau kind of realizing that Mona's telling the truth about the the so-called men in black that that kind of take Kone away. And they realize that the person that was responsible for it was Nate's father, Hank, and they have to steal his phone at the gala. And you're, dar- you're definitely starting to see Zari and Nate potentially having a relationship kind of starting to crop up. Which I think wouldn't be a bad idea I, I, to see that kind of, you know, maybe blossom out. But you can definitely see the start of that kind of coming into fruition a little bit this week. Uh, but in addition to that, though, too, you also see Ava and Sarah uh, kind of uh, watch their relationships a bit going on the rocks as Sarah realizes, you know, she's got to kind of lead the team, even if it's against the Bureau's uh, kind of well wishes at that point, And knowing that it's going to potentially throw Ava under the bus. So... You do see that kind of play out through the course of the episode as they're kind of trying to deal with the situation. But it's okay because interim captain Ray Palmer is here to save the day. Ray Palmer stepping up as captain was great. Oh, my God. It was always wonderful and ridiculous. But I I still think, you know, the way that they played off was great. But like I said, we do see them decide to head back into the 60s and realize. And obviously, it's Constantine that realizes and we find out is a massive wrestling fan. Or, or or Lucha fan, so he, uh, he realizes the timeline is completely out of whack, all thanks to El Lobo uh, kind of stealing the spotlight and becoming kind of the, the giant hero and movie star uh, because of all these reasons. So we see this play out. They ensue a massive, massive bar fight. Uh, things go absolutely tits up like they normally do for the Legends until things are kind of set back into motion again. Uh, like I said, we do find out indeed that, you know, Hank was responsible for the footage being destroyed and replaced and digitally altered. So we see pretty much Nate and Zari kind of trying to continue to dig through, uh, after they clone Hank's phone to kind of see where everything's kind of come into play. But we do see a quick shot of Neron, um, at the gala, uh, you know, no speaking lines, but we know he is present at that point in time. So we're kind of starting to feel the looming threat continue on to as we get closer to the back half of the season. And that's kind of almost exactly what it is, too. It's a looming threat because that's pretty much what he does in this episode. He's just kind of silently in the background watching and waiting. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think really the the big piece I I know that you have the confusion on is when we get to the end, you know, we do see Mick, uh, Mick Rory kind of sitting there with Mona. And, you know, we see a couple moments throughout the uh, the actual episode where Mona's constantly talking about her favorite, favorite romance author. And we <laughs> all know is Mick Rory. Uh, yeah. And it's his pen name. <laughs> so <laughs> um, and we we see him kind of realize that Mona's relationship with the Kone is really not going to work out well. And he gives a little bit of rela- relationship advice to Mona kind of along the lines of like, well, his character's Buck and, and uh, I, oh my God, I can't remember her name. You said I, it well, earlier, too. I did. I did. I, I you know, um, I, uh, whatever. Um, uh, the three-breasted warrior woman that McRory created that is in love with Buck. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that right now. Um, <laughs> I love Brian's reactions. <laughs> 
Uh, if only you hadn't killed. We had we did, we had to kill the video at one point, so you're not getting my full reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, great. But yeah, so we do see at that point where it's like, well, they they know that they're they're from two different worlds, and it's never going to work out. So we we he hands Mona his his you know portal uh you know his portal weapon to basically open up a spot to send him back to ancient ancient hawaii and go back to being a god or demigod i think in this case um but at that point in time one of the men in black shows back up shoots the kone in the chest who is now laying dying and at that moment mona turns into a giant hulk-like beast uh and another kone essentially um, and this is where Ben's confusion comes in. Yeah, because I, uh, I didn't know was, this about Mona. Uh, well, she was scratched across the chest, and it's uh, my guess is that he can kind of pass it on, if uh, essentially, probably, to think oh, of uh, like a werewolf bite, a werewolf scratch, or a bite sometimes, or you know, vampires and all that wonderful jazz. So now Mona is essentially a incredible Kone, <laughs> is the best way I can put it, because she was much, much larger than Kone was. Oh God, uh, but, yeah. Uh, but I have a feeling we're, we we may not see much more of her um, in the future. She may just run off, or she can join the team for a little bit of time. But they they now have a heavy heavy hitter though, if the legends need it. So uh, very curious to see how that's going to play off. I, that's kind of where the episode ended. I f- I forgot she was scratched uh, by Kone at one point too. So yeah, uh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense now. Now that that was a. Uh... That was explained. Uh, I do want to say, too, uh, some of my favorite Mick moments from this week. Um, obviously, we, we got him talking about his, his romance novel and, and his characters. Um, but another one of my favorite Mick moments from this week, too, was when they are initially in search of Mona. Uh, and she sends Kone away. She sends Kone to Mexico. Uh, you know, we see Ray and Sarah come around the corner and say, you're safe. We're the good guys. Mick instantly comes around the corner and shoots her with a dart uh, and passes her out. And just I, I love that after she passes out, he he looks confusingly at the gun and says, what kind of gun is this? Thinking he was totally going to kill Mona. And, and just Ray is like, you were going to shoot her the, in the head? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah. And the, the Mick moments are still great to me when it comes to. He's he's really just he, he shines so much now. Like I said, he he's done such a great job of of kind of filling the void uh, the last several years uh, that Leonard left. But he does so in such an amazingly just ridiculously fun way. Yeah. So yeah. Um. All right. I guess with that being that's kind of it. Like you know, we got a little bit of Charlie this week, but it was kind of minimal. And you know, Constantine was more reactionary this week, where he was just kind of like excited and just drinking and chain smoking in, in, in Mexico and trying to start fights. And it was fun. So like Constantine does. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this coming week, uh, next episode of Legends of Tomorrow, the getaway, uh, Hank commandeers the Wave Rider in 1973. Uh, and the legends find themselves on the run in an RV after kidnapping the president. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's them uh, kidnapping a young President Nixon. All right. So, so this is going to be fun. And I believe the episode after that is the Bollywood episode that they're doing the musical. I'm so I'm also reading, too, that one of the things about this episode this coming week uh, is that apparently with the help of Constantine, uh, nobody can tell a lie. <laughs> oh, God. So that's going to be fun. 
So, <sighs> uh, so yeah. So again, next week we only have Legends of Tomorrow to talk about. So we're going to do a breakdown of that. We'll bring into uh, Justice League versus the Fatal Five as well, and maybe and some, maybe a Shazam. little Shazam talk. I, yeah. Well, we'll do we'll do a full full spoiler a spoiler cast of Shazam next week as well. We'll do that post credits of the episode for those of you that haven't had an opportunity to see it yet, just in case I have it. But you know what? Again, it's all good. Yeah. So, I've been uh, trying so hard to come up with a Constantine Swearwolf of London joke for the past five minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great episode title. Uh, yeah. If they went to London for some reason. Uh, yeah, that would okay. be. Here's my recommendation. The What We Do in the Shadows TV show. On oh, FX. that was yeah. actually my recommendation last week. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, we, we had many, many a talk about creepy paper. So <laughs> creepy paper. <laughs> and this week's episode with the city council was fantastic too. I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to probably do that after we wrap up here today. So I'm again, thoroughly, thoroughly excited. The fact that uh, they, they made this a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. The city, the city council episode from this past week was really good as well. Uh, all right. So, um, Let's. We've already given our recommendations of the week, which uh, Doom Patrol. Well, we can reiterate. We can reiterate. Yeah, more mine is if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, please check out Doom Patrol because it is. We're eight episodes in, and there hasn't been a bad episode yet. I am so sad. There's only four episodes of the season left. Like that's so disappointing. Uh, but I'm really excited to watch it from start to finish again. Yeah. So. And then, uh, what was your recommendation again? Uh, I I was actually going to say, you know what? If you were really on the fence about. DC Universe, I have been That's to, right. and then I finally signed up the other day, and man, it was it, it was worth it. I, I'm really impressed with what's there, really impressed. Cool. Uh, I was since we got we got since we got distracted earlier. I will throw in uh, the new Dial H for Hero series at DC Comics. It's ah, very, I forgot that just started. If if you like, if, it's very much the same age range as um, Shazam the movie it, is. So if it's um, for another it's a, kid for hero. It's perfect. It's part of their their Wonder Comics brand, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Teen t- or, uh, Young Justice has been fantastic as well, too. So yeah, the first half of Young Justice w- was great. So it's uh, I'm oh no, no 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 the Young Justice comic. Uh, oh, they, they just they brought Young Justice back as a comic book, and it is the old Young Justice team. It is Connor Kent uh, back now in the DC universe, along with Impulse and Tim Drake as Robin, not Red Robin, just Robin. Um, and, uh, Cassie, uh, you know, we have Wonder Girl back. So the old team has been really pulled back together and it's been amazing to finally see. And, uh, it's only four issues in, but it is really, really well worth your time too. So, and I, and I love how just, you know, the old, the don't old, don't call me Superboy costume has kind of come back in style. Uh huh. I, I, I love the fact that they did that. It, it looks modern all over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, oh, cool. Absolutely. I'm going to have to check that one out. And I know yeah. it's not something that'll be on DC Universe yet, but I'll still go out and check it out, which is cool. It will be in eight months. Yes, so. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a year to the day. All right. Now that we got those wrap ups and reviews done, let's talk about what's new in the world of DC news. All right. So we do have a couple small stories real quick revolving around a certain movie, a movie that we now officially 100% know is called the Suicide Squad. Uh, but specifically, there is a couple major pieces we have found out. Um, right now, we do know it sounds like Joel Kinnaman is going to be returning to play Rick Flagg. Uh, it sounds like in addition to that, though, too, um, I can't remember who played Boomerang. Jai Courtney. 
Jai Courtney, I think it sounds like he's been confirmed who he's going to be returning in some fashion of some way, shape, and form as well. Uh, Viola Davis is going to be returning also as playing Amanda Waller. Uh, and obviously we know Harley Quinn is in the mix. Uh, but one thing we did not know is this. Idris Elba was originally going to be playing Deadshot, but it sounds like that is not the case anymore. We do know James Gunn is going to indeed have Idris Elba in that film, but he's going to be playing a different character. We don't know who he is playing at this point in time. Um, so it's a big wait and see. But I would not also be surprised to see characters like Boomerang maybe killed off early, early on in this film, uh, kind of as they pass the torch. Yeah. Because we have found out officially what's kind of weird and odd about this is the Suicide Squad is not a sequel, which is very kind of confusing um we know it's not suicide squad 2 it's not a sequel it's and i think it's essentially a soft reboot uh this is i think an opportunity for them to kind of re kind of reboot the property in a weird way but not i i'm, I'm kind of lost and i don't get it but sure why not <laughs> so that's kind of where we're at at this point um so beyond that though like you know there's there's not much more to talk about on suicide squad but Again, there's definitely a lot of confusion around it, but I think James Gunn has got a plan. I, I do, too, and I, I trust in his plan. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we do know a little bit more about some other things movie-oriented. Now, I'm going to say the biggest thing for the very end of this conversation. Uh, well, actually, no, we kind of don't even need to talk about it because we talked about the Joker trailer at the very, very beginning. Yeah. But again, just a reminder, if you haven't had the opportunity to check out the Joker trailer starring Joaquin Phoenix, directed by Todd Phillips, make sure to check out that trailer, which has been posted over on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, but Fathom Events is actually going to be doing something special and cool for the 80th anniversary of Batman. Because it's also the 30th anniversary of Batman, the movie from 1989. Uh, and that is going to be coming back to theaters for a special Fathom events on May 4th. But it's also going to be followed up on May 6th with Batman Returns, May 12th with Batman Forever, and May 14th with Batman and Robin. Two of those films I think you may want to go back to the theater <laughs> to see. So. You know what? I would even go with Batman Forever again as well. Batman and, and Robin, I will skip. And I gratefully respect your opinion. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, our last news story for this week, because, again, it was a late week, uh, is we did see Kurt Walters, uh, who we have obviously seen as Jason Todd on Titans, uh, post a little something special on his Instagram. And we did see a shot of uh, him looks like donning a brand new costume that was I'm seeing a lot of black and red. So it sounds like we are either going to be seeing a new Robin costume or we could be seeing the makings of a Red Hood costume coming into season two of Titans, uh, which we know we will be seeing later this year. It will be premiering this fall. Um, and it feels like we just wrapped Titan season, uh, Titan season one up and it's exciting to know it's just right around the corner again already. Yeah, yeah so. for sure. Uh, but yeah, that wraps it up for the news. Uh, didn't you have something else you wanted to bring up? Uh, Beth Schwartz comment? Oh, do we have to? Uh, we don't have to. That's fine. <laughs> no, I, I was hoping that you were gonna you were gonna call me on that. But <laughs> all right. But Beth Schwartz, the showrunner for Arrow, has stated that the episode Star City 2040 was essentially kind of a backdoor pilot, potentially, if there is an interest, because she really wants to do something with those characters in the future. <sighs> Can we just say no? no. <laughs> please, please no. don't. We we don't I, I, we don't need an Arrow spinoff. 
we yeah. we really don't. And those characters aren't interesting. I, I generally don't find them to be interesting characters for the most part. I, I, I was saying this to you last night when we were when we were you know hanging out. Is if you wanted to do something with any of those characters, uh, bring Connor Hawk into Legends. Uh, you know, as yeah. a future Green Arrow. Other than that, I I don't need to see. I I I don't need to see these characters continue yeah I, I think the only way that i could i would ever watch that show we would ever review it on this show is if they brought in terry mcginnis and basically said hey we're gonna do justice league of the future and that's about it like it would take so much for me to care about that show uh, i hate to put it that way but it's true yeah i mean at this point i'm kind of uh I, i'm done with the arrow part of the arrowverse and yeah. it's, uh, I it's don't time really... to move. It's time to move forward because we have to like you can't stay in something forever. Yeah, so. I, I've mentioned it before. I still think it, I still think an Arrowverse shakeup is needed. Uh, and if you could condense these shows down to a uh, world's greatest television show, I think that would be phenomenal. Bat, Batwoman and world's finest done and done. Yep, exactly. Uh, OK. So that I think that'll wrap it up for DC News then after that. Comment. Yeah, that that is the end of DC News. Cool. All right, so cool. Yeah, so we got Brian's recommendation uh, as well. Um, I guess we can just knock out our cheap plugs and we can uh, get out of here for the week. Um, yeah, so uh, sorry, I'm, my brain is freezing because I'm trying to figure different things out. But uh, as always, you can catch this podcast as well as all our other podcasts, part of the Next Level Podcast Network, thenextlevelnetwork.com, facebook.com slash thenextlevelnetwork. And of course, the Facebook page for this podcast, uh, as Robin mentioned before, I will reiterate, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, Brian, if you could reiterate where people can find you once more. At Brian Glein, B-R-I-A-N-G-L-E-I-N-E, on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Brian Glein Comics. Yeah, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be at Space in Columbus. I'll be at the Free Comic Day event at Carol and John's Comics in Cleveland, and I will be giving out free sketches and selling my wares. And uh, at Chicago Zine Fest in Chicago. Huzzah! And as for me, you can always find me at the Captain Crew cast of pods over at thenextlevelnetwork.com. You can check out our last recent episode that was up, which was Cartoons of the 80s and 90s. Our brand new episode is recorded, and it will be up in a matter of days. Uh, it is our Disney episode part two. Uh, I, I, I can't remember if I called it The Mouse Sitting or Revenge of the Mouse, whatever it may be. Uh, but this one, instead of praising Disney like we did previously, <laughs> this time we are a little harsher on it. Um, rightfully so. So, um, it, it, it was, it is time. It was time to finally do this. But like I said, we have plenty more content, uh, coming later on, uh, this coming year. Um, and I have a feeling we'll have Disney part three, which is, uh, I think, uh, mouse hard with a vengeance. So we will, uh, we will be getting around to that eventually. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, keep your eyes out for that. Let me know in advance. I can join in on that. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Uh, so yeah, so uh, but before we get out of here, Brian, thanks for coming back on, and uh, I, I know it's been a while, but hopefully we'll have to. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll have to make sure it's not as uh, a year or two before we get you on again. Hopefully the next year will be a lot less uh, everything. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, but as always, thank you for being a part of the DC Primetime family. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for the feedback. Everything that you do, sharing, all of that fun stuff. Until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. <laughs>